Welcome in, everyone, to the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, joined by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. You can get the Talking Tide podcast at YouTube, Facebook. We're live in both of those places, wherever you get your podcasts, of Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you can find us. And so give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us a follow. And follow along with us here as we take twice weekly looks at Alabama football, looking ahead and looking back, of course, on the Sunday nighter. We're going to be looking back at this 10-point loss at home to the Texas Longhorns, setback for Alabama, no doubt about it. We'll dive right into it here in just a minute. I want to thank Peterbrook Chocolatier, Heat Pizza Bar, and Caldera Men's Skin Care, our three fine sponsors. More on them a little bit later in the program, Travis, we jump right in. Uh, talking Alabama football with a 10-point loss to the Texas Longhorns, 34-24. to 24, The final score, Travis, first home loss for Nick Saban since 2019, uh, three-plus years. Uh, been a long time since anybody's taken Alabama down in Bryant-Denny, but uh, Texas, the better team, really on both sides of the ball. They were. I uh, played cleaner, more efficiently. I thought Sark had a really good plan. I thought the Texas defensive plan was really good. I know Alabama hit, ended up hitting some explosives uh, in the passing game, but you know, early on and sort of setting a trap for Jalen Milrow on that early interception, and you know, some of the stuff that they did on that side of the ball was very impressive. And you know, we told people last week, stay away from this game as far as Vegas was concerned, uh, didn't feel good about it really either way. I didn't pick Texas to win the game, um, but I, I wasn't sold on Alabama being a seven or seven and a half point better team than Texas, but you give more credit to Texas and you take away from Alabama. Alabama's still trying to obviously figure some things out in some different areas. I guess the biggest disappointment would be that you talked about it uh, before the pod. You expected Alabama up front on both sides of the ball to be a little more competitive than it was in the game Saturday night. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, the offensive line, the defensive line, both, uh, frankly, long nights. And and this was the kind of night, Travis, where, you know, normally when you say you got to win on the line of scrimmage, typically you're talking about generating a ground game that can kind of keep things balanced and keep the sticks moving. This really wasn't that type of game. This, this type of game where getting dom, dominated on, on the line of scrimmage happened in pass pro, right? On offense, on defense, not getting there. Um, just a huge difference in the amount of pressure uh, that Jalen Milrow faced versus Ewers, who was uh, really clean all night. He was, um, you know, and there were times where Texas got pressure with three guys. Um, it wasn't all blitz-based at all. Uh, they showed some pressures when they wanted Jalen to get rid of the ball quick. That worked effectively uh, at times. And then there were times Jalen held on to the football. There's no doubt about that. But I think the early heat did affect him throughout the game. Now, you know, he did rebound. And I think uh, we're going to talk about this coming up here in a little bit at what might have been the most crucial point of his Alabama career there in the second half. Uh, he delivered on multiple big throws. So uh, that was encouraging. Um, the, the turnovers were were discouraging, especially for a guy in his third year in the program. 
Um, but I don't think you can put all of this on Jalen Milrow by any means, as you no. said. No, you, you was, definitely can't. Yeah, this was more about Texas being better, really, in just about every phase. I thought Alabama's receivers were a bright spot. I thought Alabama's specialists and special teams were bright spots. Other than that, you can kind of take your pick. Yeah, no complaints on the receivers whatsoever. They they they, couple, they made a couple of tough catches. Uh, you didn't see the dropsies from them in this in this game. So uh, yeah, the wide receivers held up fine. Big night for Will Reichert, as you noted. Couple of numbers on the pressure, just to put some perspective on it, Travis. Jalen Milrow was pressured nineteen times. Of course, it's a little bit of a subjective definition of what a pressure is, right? Uh, it, it, it's in the eye. Of the, in the eye of the beholder somewhat. Uh, but Jalen Milrow officially pressured 19 times on 27 attempts. So you work that into the five sacks and you get an idea that it wasn't just the sack plays. He, he really felt heat pretty much two out of every three dropbacks. Ewers pressured only eight times all night, no sacks. And, you know, nothing too good to say about Alabama's pass protection traps. Obviously, it was a rough night for the true freshman, Caden Proctor. Uh, but you know what? The interior of the offensive line where Alabama has so much more experience, they gave up some pressure uh, right up the middle. And, you know, I, I felt like even though it, it, it wasn't just Texas pass rushers coming free all the time. Yeah, sometimes – Texas was able to get a free rusher. You know, you miss a block, what have you. You get beat really bad. Uh, Milrow got some some runaway heat uh, early in, in some dropbacks. But beyond that, Travis, even when the pocket was there, it was a small pocket, right? Um, I didn't think either one of Alabama's offensive tackles, really anyone on the offensive line for that matter, they didn't anchor real well, right? If you're an offensive tackle – especially if you're taking on a bull rush, you got you got a, maybe a step or two to give, and then you better anchor, right, and, and, and get that pocket formed clean where the quarterback's got some space to work with. Uh, but if you're getting driven back more than a couple of steps, it's too late to anchor, really, when, uh, when, when your back's been kind of shoved up near the quarterback. And, you know, I, I felt like it was the kind of night where you, you wouldn't have been surprised if Milrow had – busted a finger on somebody's helmet or gotten his elbow clipped on a couple of throw attempts and, and so forth. No, it, it was a rough night. There's no doubt about it. I was a little, I was surprised by the plan to be honest with you. Um, we're both Jacksonville Jaguar fans. So I don't know if you watched the Jags and the Colts today, but the Colts with Anthony Richardson, that was the plan I was expecting to see more of with Jalen Milrow. In other words, uh, just about everything starting with action to the back, zone read action, keep off the zone read, design runs, get him on the move, half field reads, things like that. Now, that's not the distributor I know that, say, a Quinn Ewers or a Bryce Young is. That's not going to bring everybody into the offensive picture. But I think for the type of quarterback Jalen is right now, that's your best chance to win. That's my opinion. It felt like they were still trying to run basically last year's system in a lot of ways with Jalen Milrow. And they were going spread with five-man protections. And not just that Jalen isn't maybe equipped as well to handle that, but you got a true freshman left tackle. And they weren't really committed to helping Caden Proctor with a tight end or a back. 
there were a lot of times they went five-man protection. Right. And as you might expect, or should be expected, Caden Proctor had his struggles. But as you said, it wasn't just Caden Proctor. Uh, the, the snaps for a second straight week were a big problem. And right. you got a quarterback that's already getting heated up, and then you mix in those snaps, the anxiety is going to ramp up. Uh, it's going to speed him up twice as much. No doubt about it. Nick Saban, following the game in his press conference, was asked by one of your colleagues, Travis, Charlie Potter, uh, if he gave some thought to making a switch at the quarterback position. Uh, we got it teed up right here. Here's what he had to say. Charlie? Hey, Coach. Just, what did you think of the way that Jalen played tonight? Did you give any thought to maybe playing multiple quarterbacks? Uh, I did, but when he put the drive together uh, to go down the field and score, when we got ahead, um, you know, I thought that gave him a lot of confidence. And, um, but we, we never ever discussed it. I can't sit here and say the thought doesn't come to mind for any player that's you know, having a difficult time. and um, But he made some good plays at the end of the game, and that was good to see. Obviously, the interception was, you know, critical, you know, in the game. And um, so we're just going to work to try to get all the players better. Come on to the left side of John. What did you see from point, point years? And- there you have it from Nick Saban, Travis, uh, referring to uh, a scoring drive that put Alabama up very briefly, 16-13 at the end of the third quarter. It was the only lead Alabama enjoyed all night. Um, Saban said he felt better about uh, Milrose's confidence at that point. The trouble with that, though, Travis, is he, even though he might be more confident, He's still under high heat because Texas's offense answered immediately. And that's what happened really throughout the fourth quarter. Every time Alabama's defense needed a stop, they not only didn't get it, they got gashed. They did. What, a four-play 75-yard drive? A seven-play 75-yard drive? It was reminiscent of last year where, okay, you feel like the offense is starting to get into gear And the defense, which had pretty much kept Alabama in the game to that point, just gives it up. You know, the explosive plays, uh, you look at Ewers passing numbers um, (laughs) in the fourth quarter and just dominating. So uh, complimentary football kind of goes back to that. We didn't see it last year where all three phases really worked in concert together. uh, And we didn't see it again on Saturday night against Texas and, um, you know, I, I would be willing to bet at Nick Saban's Monday news conference that we'll get more of the we have to play better around the quarterback upon sure. review, Chase. I, I don't know what the Vegas line is on that, what kind of betting favorite we need to play better around the quarterback. Um, but I think we'll get that from Nick. And that's not to say that, that there still might be a plan for USF that involves – playing another quarterback next week. I'm not trying to absolve Jalen Milrow of his mistakes because they were critical and they're the kind of throws that you can't make at this point. If you're a true freshman, you can throw it into trap coverage. Uh, You can't do that as a third-year guy. So 
he's going to be evaluated on that, I'm sure. Uh, but that's not to say that the rest of the guys, uh, especially up front, don't deserve some uh, some criticism as well. Worth noting too, Travis, that you know we've talked a lot about the the pass pressure that Texas was able to bring with only four guys, and as you noted, excuse me, more than once with with only three guys on the two biggest mistakes Milrow made, which were the interceptions that resulted in ten Texas points. Wasn't a ton of heat on him on those throws, right? I mean, you had the quick throw out to Burton uh, into the trap coverage that you noted. That ball came out too fast for, for anyone to really be in Milrow's face. And and uh, the second interception, I didn't think the protection was that bad on that one either. So, you know, a lot of times, Travis, you see pass protection issues tied in with turnovers. These two particular interceptions, you know – on those plays only, if you just look at them in a, in a vacuum, they really weren't tied to pass protection issues. I didn't think so. The first one, again, it was what Texas dictated to Jalen on that play. They brought five, but they brought five so he would get the ball out quick because they had the coverage set to where they wanted him to throw the football, and it sure. worked out perfectly. It was perfectly designed. It was perfectly executed. They even um, gave him a throwing lane. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, they even gave him a here. gap. <laughs> and in Alabama, that that's a route that they've worked pretty well. Um, they worked it last week with Isaiah Bond against Middle Tennessee fairly early in the game. And kind of looks like it has to be man coverage, and it isn't always going to be man coverage. And, and Jalen, it seems like when he has the call that needs to be on, and he either either that or he sees it, the way he needs to see the coverage. I mean, he still showed you in the game. He can make some throws, man. He made some middle of the throw field seen, uh, you know, hole shots that were tough. Like Malik Benson, Kobe Prentice comes to mind. Um, he, he can, he can hit a lot of different throws. Um, you just hold your breath a little bit sometimes uh, that, that, that he's going where he needs to go with football still. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Texas got him confused a couple times, certainly on that first interception, no doubt about it. All right, uh, moving on, the penalty problem. Travis got a touch on that, 10 for 90. It jumps back to bite Alabama. Uh, after just one week uh, where Alabama looked like that problem might have been solved against Middle Tennessee State, of course, no penalties on offense against the Blue Raiders. Not the case against the Longhorns, 10 for 90. Nick Saban exasperated, certainly, about that. Uh, and and really, about you know, when you mix that in with uh, the, the low snaps and, and some of these other mental errors, miscues, et cetera, that, that, that we saw, uh, really kind of put that offense behind the eight ball, put Milro in a, in a, a lot of third and longs. Which is not which is not going to be a recipe for success for for any quarterback. Obviously, no quarterback wants to be in third and long, but a guy like Bryce Young, far better suited and and last year certainly more experienced to deal with third and eight, third and twelve, et cetera, than Milrow. Yeah, and absolutely, um, you lose two touchdowns Saturday night to penalties. Uh, you end up kicking field goals, but even with that, you're minus eight on what you would have been with the touchdowns. So. Um, minus two in turnover margin. Uh, and also they were field position turnovers. I mean, both of those interceptions set up the short fields for Texas. And 
they got 10 points out of those. So again, there's some math involved there, but uh, the penalties at this point, pretty much inexplicable. I kind of feel for Terry and Arnold because he had three of them in the game and uh, they were all pretty much the same thing, you know, grabbing, holding, and in all three instances, he was in pretty good position. One of them was while on the punt return team, um, but he did some good things too. I mean, Terry and Arnold did some nice things. He's physical. Uh, but it's just right. It's just the consistency and, you know, the the, the number of these penalties that, that continue to crop up. Uh, and it also shows you there's a difference between playing pretty clean against Middle Tennessee and playing clean against a top 10, top 15 team like Texas. Yeah, no doubt about it. I thought Malachi Moore played well, especially given that he was uh, injured during the week and was questionable to play really up until the day of the game. Uh, word kind of leaked out that he was in a little bit better shape than Jalen Key in terms of playing. Ends up they both ended up getting back on the field, but uh, Moore certainly active early, had the big early play, and and uh, you know he looks to me like a guy who, who's who's capable of generating some some turnovers down the road, Travis, for this Alabama defense. And, and yeah, zero turnovers forced. It's an issue, too. They did not force turnovers effectively at all last season. Uh, so that's definitely not something that uh, Nick Saban wants to see problematic again in 2023. Thought Caleb Downs on the whole played pretty well as well. I, I think there's a whole lot of upside there. Another physical guy uh, who can who can really bring it um, really almost like a linebacker when it comes to tackling. And uh, I, I think as time goes by, Downs is, is going to be outstanding in coverage as well. Um, wasn't bad in coverage last night, but but I think where he stood out uh, was, was more from a tackling aspect. Justice Haynes, didn't see him. Uh, didn't see a lot of him against Middle Tennessee State either. You know, Travis, back in the spring, uh, Downs and Haynes were kind of the freshman pair, right? That people kind of felt like was going to jump in and and make a, a quick early splash. Uh, Downs certainly headed down that road. Haynes appears to be kind of caught in the wash in in, uh, in a backfield that's that's not going to be able to rotate four. Yeah, we saw Jam Miller, but it was pretty much a two back night. It was pretty much Jace. In Roydell, and I think that probably went back to pass protection as much as anything, uh, and trust in those guys because I'm sure Alabama anticipated um, pressure coming between the A gaps. I thought both teams were going to light up the A gaps, and really didn't see that much of it um, from either team. Uh, I think Benda got home one time, and Jace actually initially kneecapped him pretty good, but give that dude credit. Didn't slow him down all that much. He just kept playing through it. Jalen didn't have much work into the left, ended up holding on to the ball and took a sack. But, yeah, I mean, that is one of the positives out of all this. A lot of young guys got some big-time college football experience. And Caleb Downs was right in the middle of it. You're right. Ten tackles, you love that. Um, He had coverage on Xavier Worthy. I thought he was in pretty good shape. But the damn ball from Ewers was – right. You know, dropped out of the sky perfectly, and Xavier Worthy looked like a major league baseball center fielder in catching that ball. So there's some things the guy and the throw just are too good, and I think that was one of those instances. You also had the touchdown pass to A.D. Mitchell there in the second half where not sure what was going on there between Trey Amos and Caleb Downs. Downs kind of came up, drove up on the crosser. 
over the top. Texas was able to hit it. But all in all, exceptional experience for a guy like Cable Downs. Caden Proctor, too. I mean, Caden Proctor is going to be a really good player. But he was playing Iowa high school football last year at this time. You know? Right. Tough now you're dealing with these tackle. cats from Texas. I mean, a little different, little different deal here. Tough you know? for a left tackle. We may see a little bit more of a commitment from Tommy Reese to keeping a tight end to help out with pass pro down the road, you know, to, to, to see what they can do to maybe shore things up. But, again, it's not just one edge. It certainly wasn't just one edge that was the problem against – uh, Texas. Proctor had a forgettable night, there's no doubt, uh, but uh, a lot of work to be done up on that offensive line. The Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. going to thank a couple of sponsors here really quickly. going to start by telling you about Heat Pizza Bar. If you're looking for a fun place to watch Alabama's road game at USF on Saturday, drop by Heat Pizza Bar, located in downtown Tuscaloosa in Government Square, recently ranked one of the top pizzerias in the entire state. Heat Pizza Bar offers great signature pizzas, sides, a full bar, a long line of flat screen TVs for your sports viewing pleasure. Get over there this week as well for the Wednesday special, which is that fantastic chicken bacon ranch pizza that Frank Fleming staff will serve up for just $9 from 2 to 6 p.m. on Wednesday. You can't beat that. You can't beat Heat Pizza Bar, where Tuscaloosa's public parking garage always makes it easy to park and stop in at Heat Pizza, 2250 6th Street in Government Square. I'm going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier right there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa for a sweet 16 years. Peterbrook Chocolatier has been serving the Tuscaloosa community get by there and check out that signature chocolate covered popcorn those individual goodies that they've got there the chocolate footballs as well uh, they can do cut molds for you you know you want to thank someone with that personal touch uh, you want to come up with something maybe for your company they can do it in chocolate at peterbrook chocolatier 1530 mcfarland boulevard north in the indian hills section of tuscaloosa all right, finally, we're going to tell you about Caldera Men's Skin Care, available now at a discount just for our listeners on Talking Tide with the promo code TIDE. Just go to calderalab.com slash TIDE. If you live in Alabama, you know the sun can be hard on your face, so take care of it. I'm trying to do just that with Caldera. Now, they sent Travis and I a, a package to try the product. It's a team, really, of four products that we're trying out this month. The Clean Slate, the Base Layer, the Icon, and the Good. We've highlighted each of them individually, but they work kind of in concert. Clean Slate, a really good morning cleanser. The Base Layer is good if you feel like your skin's already a little bit too dried out. That'll happen when you get up around my age, Travis's age, certainly. They've got the icon for the eyes. They've got the good, of course, is going to make your skin feel great. Check out all the Caldera products at calderalab.com slash Tide for the Talking Tide audience. A 20% discount with the discount code Tide. Once again, that is calderalab.com slash Tide. Travis, we will uh, move on as we always do and talk around the southeastern conference a little bit um some let's start by saying this travis as we'll pop a couple of uh comments from the audience in here as well it's been an awful start to the year for the sec i mean there's just no other way to put it uh dropped three non-conference games in week one dropped uh at least three more in week two miami over tam you uh you've got uh 
Uh, of course, Vanderbilt went down to Wake Forest. Maybe that wasn't such a surprise. Um, thoughts on overall on how the SEC's looked to you, Travis, thus far? Um, mediocre at best, yeah. I guess. Um, I would say the SEC West, the three favorites, uh, getting off to the starts that they have. I, you kind of get it with Alabama and, and 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 LSU, given the competition. I mean, Florida State, we're seeing more and more, is very much a real college football playoff contender. So you give LSU a little bit of grace about a game that was played in Orlando on top of everything else. Um, that that was so Texas A and M Saturday down in South Florida. Yeah, um, you just you're becoming desensitized to it under Jimbo. Uh, and that being said, Texas A&M will beat somebody. You know, it might be even Alabama in early October. We'll see when the tide goes out there. But um, there's still so much talent on that roster. And uh, you'll wonder how things continue to fall apart for them over the course of 60 minutes. So, yeah, I would say as much as anything, uh, I would have thought between the three SEC West division favorites, uh, they would have won one of those three games. Yeah, and I thought the same. Uh, if you watch the Ole Miss win over Tulane as well, that was the only other game in the country that was yeah. a ranked versus ranked opponent. If you only saw the final score, you might have thought Ole Miss handled them easy. They didn't. Uh, even the backup quarterback, Michael Pratt, yeah. the outstanding Green Wave quarterback, unable to go in this one, kind of a last-minute scratch. And uh, Tulane, with a backup quarterback, gave Ole Miss all they wanted. It was a one-score game well into the fourth quarter and uh the rebels were able to pull away on the road in new orleans travis mississippi state over arizona by a touchdown auburn sneaks past cal and uh stayed up and watched all of that one yeah lee, lee county at berkeley travis the culture <laughs> clash my goodness you know that was uh that was an ugly football game but hey if you're hugh freeze and in a season where wins might be precious uh to get one on the road anywhere um you're going to take that one. And look, you know, I give Ole Miss credit because you said it. That that was not a, a, a fluid uh, first half by any means. But, boy, really turned it on. And uh, backup quarterback, as you said, for Tulane. But um, still good for Ole Miss to go down there and get the job done. What about MTSU giving Mizzou all they wanted? I mean, I mean really? Mizzou's not much, man. No. I mean, no. And, and I, I, I like – I like uh, Drinkwitz at the podium, just like everybody else. But I still don't understand who made the call to extend and raise him yeah. at the end of last season. At the yeah. end of a bad season, um, somebody got bamboozled. Hard to figure. One. And guy's not a bad coach, but, yeah, I mean, Mizzou's just pretty average. At best. All right. Before we get out of here, Travis, as always, we're going to take a dip into the uh, two deep tumbler, see who pops out. Our friend Sam Matthews with a question here a few minutes ago. Travis, uh, Alabama guy, big number 95 back in the day. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I think, I think Sam moved to offense and wore 68. Yeah, I think that's right. Sam will yeah. let me know. Go ahead. Yeah. But, he wanted uh, to ask yeah, about the, the run game, I think. Yeah, he yeah the running run game. game. You know, it, it was uh, – Nine yards in the second half. Now, yeah. you're behind. You get behind. I understand that. But nine yards? Yeah. As soon as Texas took it to a two-score game in the fourth quarter, and you talked about there not being a lot of, you know, 
design run RPO type stuff, you know, first half, absolutely. Down two scores in the fourth, even if you run that stuff, you're not going to bait Texas. They're playing pass up two scores right. in the fourth. So um, it was just uh, – it was. It and was when a- I say this about, you know, the, the, the RPO and the design runs, I'm not just talking about Milrow. I'm talking about whether it's Tyler Buckner, Ty Simpson, any of those three guys. There's your confirmation for Big me, Sam, I, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Sam <laughs> got me. Any of those three guys, that's what I would want to see is more designed quarterback runs, more, you know, RPO, whatever. Not straight drops with some of these guys. Not this year. Not this year. All right. Uh, two deep tumbler we go. Going to give this thing a spin real quick and see how – see who pops out. Uh, we've already had four come out of the tumbler, Travis, and we know this thing's got a mind of its own and, and there's uh, – there's, <laughs> It's like it, a cobra. It's like a cobra, the way it strikes coming out of there. It it tends to – You got like a flute you can play, like for the cobra? (laughs) That's right. It tends to uh, kick out players that we've been discussing throughout the podcast. It's happened multiple times. Number 88 comes out right here, Miles Kitzelman, Travis, the tight end from the JUCO ranks. We really haven't seen much of any of him early in the season – um, pretty deep tight end room, a, a, a tight end room that, that by all indications, uh, the coaching staff is, is quite happy with, uh, but, uh, thus far, not a lot of Kitzelman on the field. No, uh, Amari Nyblack, man, he's that dude right now at tight end and they're using him in line. They've asked him to help in pass protection. He had a couple of tough assignments of his own in pass pro the other night, including the touchdown pass from Jalen to Jermaine Burton that actually counted. That was a beauty of a deep ball. And when you got to give Jalen a lot of credit for, he used his feet like he needed to to get into position to deliver that throw. Well, Nye Black had a one-on-one in pass pro. He held up. He didn't dominate, but he held up. Uh, but Kitzelman, you're right. It, it's kind of what right now? Amari Nye Black, C.J. Dupree, and what? Robbie Oots. Little, a little bit of Oots, little, yeah. Not, not quite, I haven't seen as much as Danny Lewis as I had been told I would likely see either. Right. Uh, and that may right. be coming. Yeah, they got a lot of guys. I mean, they're 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 going to be able to, uh, I would think, redshirt Ty Lockwood if they want to. Um, they're five, six tight ends scholarship-wise deep. All right, that's going to do it for this fine edition of the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. Be sure to join Travis and I on Wednesday night when we reconvene and preview Alabama's road game at South Florida coming up this weekend in Tampa. Until then, for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. We'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.